Good morning. My name is Kristen Paleo. I have the honor of reading our scripture for this morning's sermon. It's found in the book of John, chapter 10, verses 1 to 21. If you follow along with us, you'll find it on the screen, also in your pew Bible, page 842. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There again a division among the Jews. I'm sorry. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is the word of the Lord. I think that there's just a, a basic human desire that, that we all share to live a peaceful, quiet life. I mean, we, we want financial freedom. We want good health. We want to have good relationships with others. We, we just want this sense of security, that, that things are going to be okay. But reality hits us, doesn't it? Like wave after wave. We, we're, we're defrauded. We're cheated. We're, we're betrayed by people that we trust. We get deceived perhaps because we didn't read the fine print of, of the contract. And we just feel empty. We feel like this 
peaceful and quiet life just slips through our fingers all the time. Is it even possible to have a peaceful and quiet life? Can, can we even achieve that? And, and if so, how? Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look at this passage that I think gives us some insight of how that might just be possible. Let's pray. Lord, we are once again here to hear your voice, to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd that is seeking us out, that is gathering us together, that seeks to comfort us, that seeks to give us a direction. So I pray that we would hear your voice, even in this moment, that your word would just be a fountain of life welling up within us, that would set us free, that we may follow you wherever you might lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think that this passage before us this morning in John 10 does help to try to resolve a little bit of the, this tension that we have of, of just this desire to have a quiet and peaceful life, but yet the realities of the world that come crashing in. And to, to help us see how this, this passage maybe resolves that tension, I want to try and paint a portrait this morning of the Good Shepherd. And we're going to do that kind of in, in, in four steps, if you will. I'm no painter, so don't, don't criticize me uh, too much. I'm sure some of you can do that, and so I'm not going to get too much in the technical paint jargon here. But um, I want to start off by just looking at the background, just, just a quick look at the background to perhaps give us a little bit of depth to the story. Then I want to turn our attention to the contrasting details, the, in the contrasting details, specifically these false shepherds that Jesus talks about that just really cause the good shepherd to really stand out, to pop out. And then at that point, we need to turn our attention to the good shepherd because there's just a lot of intricate details and shadowing and colors that just come out in this passage that just really draw our attention to the good shepherd. And finally, I want to just step back and, and look at this portrait and see what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us, the sheep? How do we respond to the good shepherd in order to obtain this peaceful life that our heart yearns for. So let's, let's start with the background. And you may have noticed, perhaps, the, the last verse that was read this morning has this question. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And where does that come from? Well, it directly links us to chapter 9 that we saw last week, where Jesus healed the blind man. So these, these verses that we read this morning go right back to chapter 9. And if, you might remember that at the very end of, of that chapter, Jesus makes this declaration that he came, it was for judgment that he came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And of course, there were some Pharisees standing around, they hear this, and so they naturally ask the question, well, are you saying that we're blind also? Really? We're blind? 
And so Jesus begins to answer their question. And so look, look back in verse 41, the very last verse of chapter 9. And I would encourage you to keep uh, the, your Bibles open. I'm going to be referring to these verses in chapter 10 a, a good bit, kind of bouncing back and forth between them. But uh, we're going to start here in the last verse of chapter 9, verse 41, and, and listen to how Jesus responds to this question. Are, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and robber. But the one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And we could continue reading. The point is, you see that there's, there's no stop. There's no, there's no chapter break, if you will. Jesus, in this chapter 10, is continuing to answer this question. So that's the background of our passage. And in effect, as we, as we turn our attention to these false shepherds, Jesus identifies these Pharisees as thieves and robbers. They don't, they don't enter in by the door, but they're, they're climbing up over the walls or trying to get into the sheep pen some other way. They are false, bad shepherds. They serve as a contrast to the good shepherd. They don't enter in by authorized ways that the Lord has established in His Word. They are imposters who care nothing for the sheep. I mean, isn't that the very nature of a robber and a thief anyway? I mean, since when does a robber or a thief care about you, care about me? They're only, they're only caring about their own personal self-interest. How can I use you to get what I want? Their victims exist to serve their own selfish purposes. Now, if we were to take some time to really, really look at this portrait and really get in all, all, all the details, we would see a myriad of Old Testament uh, prophecies and illusions uh, that, that talk about this relationship of God as a shepherd to his flock, Israel, his sheep. And, and David has already read Ezekiel 34 for us today. But I, I want to return to that because I think it gives us a glimpse into what it really means to be a thief and a robber from God's point of view. Listen again as I read just some of these verses here as he, as he describes these bad shepherds. Says, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. There's no care for the sheep from the one who is a bad shepherd. That's what we saw last week in chapter 9, right? Jesus heals this blind man. And what did the Pharisees do? Just kick him right on out of the synagogue. They ruled with harshness. They didn't care about that blind man. They didn't care about the sheep. They just cared about themselves, maintaining their order. 
They don't search for the lost sheep that have wandered off. They push them out themselves. Jesus sums up these false shepherds in verse 10. It says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is a strong indictment. I mean, I can see how someone might kind of object. Well, yeah, that's not really what I'm trying to do. I don't want to kill anybody. I'm not trying to steal. I certainly don't want to destroy anybody. But Jesus says, really, ultimately, these false shepherds, that's what they're doing. Stealing, killing, and destroying. So it kind of brings a question in my mind. But how do we see these false shepherds at work today? Where do we see them at work? Well, perhaps it would be helpful to think about this illustration that Jesus really is using. Just really think about real uh, thieves and robbers, right? I mean, there's some robbers who are just going to come right at, right at you with the gun and say, give me your money. My, my father, when I was seven years old, was a manager at a bank. And one day there was... Two guys that entered into the bank with guns, demanding all the money. They held the gun to my dad's head. said, I'm, I'm going to kill you. Why? Because they thought that he had alerted the police. Talk about a fearful moment, a fearful time. So if we come back to the illustration, I think that Jesus is trying to make. There, there are some people, some false shepherds that are, it's just kind of obvious, isn't it? They come at us with false doctrines. We can kind of identify it perhaps a little easier. Maybe we could think of Jehovah's Witnesses or maybe the atheist who just outright denies the existence of God. It's just kind of obvious. But then there's some thieves who are a little bit more subtle. They're, they're, the, they're the pickpockets who you don't even realize you've been robbed until you know days later, perhaps hours later. That something's missing. These are the, the wolves in sheep's clothing that enter into the church and with their sweet words begin to sow seeds of doubt, come in with their false doctrines that maybe don't seem that bad, but, you know, just one step at a time begin to lead us over. It happens. We need to be on alert. Satan is the father of lies, and he uses deceptive, deceptive tactics all the time. So these false shepherds will come in, come in another way, maybe appear just so welcoming, so great, so wonderful. But at the end of the day, they're looking out for their own interest, and they've come to steal, kill, and destroy but this is in stark contrast to the good shepherd. So let's turn our attention to the good shepherd. And uh, I think this is indeed the, the, the main point, the main emphasis of this passage. It's the good shepherd. I think John wants us to look and behold the good shepherd. And so there's a lot of detail. There's a lot of color that we can point out here. We'll start in verse 2. 
It says the good shepherd enters through the door. He walks right through the door because the doorkeeper recognizes him. And perhaps this is lost on a little bit of, on us today, but in that time, the, 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 the shepherds would sometimes combine their flocks together to keep them in one sheepfold, sheep pen. And in the morning, the shepherd would come back to get his sheep. And so obviously, there's got to be somebody there to guard and protect the sheep. And if he didn't recognize the shepherd, he's not going to let him in. But if he recognizes the shepherd, he's going he's to let him in. And so the shepherd would go in to get his sheep, which leads us to the next detail. Verse 3, he, he goes in and, and he calls his sheep by name. He calls them by name. He calls them by name because he knows his sheep. His sheep know him. We see that in verse 14. I think this is just one of those little details of, of, of the care that the good shepherd has for us. He doesn't just say, hey, you. <laughs> hey, you, come over here. But he calls you by name. He knows you. It's tender. It's welcoming. So he's entering through the door. He's, he's calling his sheep by name. And, and then he leads the sheep out. Look at verses 3 and 4 again. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Apparently, one of the differences between eastern shepherds and western shepherds that even exist to this day is, is how they lead their sheep. You, you, maybe you've seen some YouTube videos of, of some Western shepherds that are using sheepdogs to get their sheep to go from uh, one pasture to another or just to get them to go where they want. It's really an amazing thing. If you've never seen it, when you get home, when you get home today, not right now, uh, Google it and, and look at it. Those, those dogs are just amazing. They're disciplined in how they go around and they, and they get their sheep to, to go where they want. But at the end of the day, it strikes me that that is successful. Why? Because fear is employed, right? The sheep go from this pasture to that pasture because they're scared of the dog. The dog's showing his teeth, uh, you know, getting it to move to where it wants to go. In contrast, the eastern shepherd goes out before his sheep. He calls his sheep. Maybe there's a whistle or a certain sound that he calls. He calls them by name. And he gets those sheep to go where he wants and this this is the picture of Jesus he's going out before us he's leading us he's not just saying hey go get them guys have fun but he's going out he's taking us exactly where we need to go and so he's he's entering the door he he knows his sheep he's calling them by name he's out front leading his sheep and we also see that the good shepherd Verse 9 offers salvation. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This is a beautiful picture of, of safety and security that we have. 
The sheep have a sense of freedom to, to move about, to, to go in, to go out. They're, they're in green pastures, knowing that they're under the watchful eye of their shepherd. He tenderly cares for them and ensures that they walk where they need to walk. And they're free from their anxiety. They're free from their fears. They know that their needs will be met. And then in verse 10, we see this contrast really come out, don't we? The the, the false shepherds, these thieves are coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have abundant life. I've come that you might have abundant life. Life, And I think in, in some ways this is a summary statement of everything that we have seen so far. It includes the life we as sheep live here and now. Being known by Jesus, being called by name, following where He is leading, knowing that He will provide for all of our needs. He offers security. He offers safety. That is life. But all of that, all of that is in the midst of hardship. And I say that because I don't want us to come away and and, and read a verse like this, that Jesus has come to give us abundant life. And perhaps we rightly say, rightly say that this has to do with here and now, because I think it does. But that doesn't mean that Jesus is calling us to the easy life. Well, there's no hardship. There's no pain and suffering. No, in fact, Jesus promises quite the opposite, doesn't he? Jesus says, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. We do walk through the difficulties of life. And knowing all the while, as we're going through those storms of life, Jesus is there to guide us through it to give us the comfort, to protect us. Now, it does help to remember that wrapped up in this abundant life, Jesus also has in view eternal life. I mean, most of the time in John, when he's talking about life, he's talking about that idea of eternal life. There's something more. This life that we have is meeting a need for our soul, for our heart, the eternity that God has placed in our heart. And so, how does this happen? How how do we get this abundant life? And and here we find perhaps one of the most shocking uh, characteristics of the Good Shepherd and a a detail that is just particularly special that comes out in this passage. And in verse 11, he says, I lay down my uh, life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. And this is in utter contrast to the bad shepherds and in particular to the hired hand that when he sees danger coming, he's out of there. He takes off. He flees. It wasn't, doesn't want anything to do with it. But the good shepherd is willing to give his life for the sheep, to take their place, to stand in for them. Sometimes shepherds have to put their... Their lives in harm's way to protect the flock. I mean, we, we see this in the Old Testament with David. When David at one point says, hey, I, 
I've killed a bear, I've killed a lion. Why? To protect my flock. To protect my sheep. And that's good. But, but we've got to see something here, though, because there, there's more. There's more than just a willingness to sacrifice himself for the sheep that Jesus uh, points out here. Look again in verses 17 and 18. It says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. I lay down my life, that I might take it up again. This is, this is much more than the typical love story where the, where the husband says, I'll die for you. I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus goes a step further. The love story that Jesus tells just pales in comparison. He says, I'll lay down my life for you. And then I'm going to take it back again. I'm going to come back for the grave for you. Death cannot hold me down. Death cannot keep me from you. That's powerful. The death and resurrection of Jesus secures abundant life for the sheep because he deals the death blow to the sin that separates us from God. If we want to extend perhaps the metaphor that Jesus is using, he says, you know, the wolf comes in, the hired hand takes off. We, we might could identify that wolf with sin. It's that sin that just drives us away from God. Sin destroys our life. It leads us to utter ruin and damnation. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift of eternal life comes to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He lays down his life for the sheep that he might take it up again. But there's even more. <laughs> Look at verse 18, because this is really exciting. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. No one takes Jesus' life from him. No one. Not the Pharisees who took him to Pilate. They didn't take Jesus' life from him. Pilate didn't take his life from him. Those Jews on that fateful day who were shouting, crucify him. They did not take Jesus' life from him. Only he has the authority to lay down his life. And we see this all through the Gospels. I mean, there's, there's several occasions where Jesus, where the people are just ready to kill Jesus, just stone him, to throw him off a cliff, whatever it is. And we see that Jesus just kind of walks right through their midst. You, you stop and you think, well, how is that possible? How can he do that? Because he has the authority. Or, or think about the Garden of Gethsemane. The soldiers and, and these, uh, the officers of the chief priests, they show up and they say, and Jesus asks them, well, who are you looking for? And they say, we're looking for Jesus. You remember what happens? Jesus says, well, I am he. And all, all those soldiers, all those chief officers hit the ground just by the power of his word. 
and they get back up again. He said, well, who are you looking for? I don't know. I'd like to think at that point, I'd say, uh, nobody, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going home. Dinner's ready. And they, and they do it all over again. Jesus has the authority to lay down his life. Jesus has the authority to take it up again. Only Jesus has the authority and power to give abundant life. It's only Jesus. And one, one final detail here we see in verse 15. In his graciousness, he's calling other sheep. He says, I've got other sheep that are not of this fold. Them too I must go and search out and call and they will respond. And that is really good news for the vast majority of us in this room. I think the point here is that there's Gentile sheep out there. I've got to get them in here too. And I'm going to call them. And he's still calling today. So, fellow sheep, behold your good shepherd. He's entered through the door to call his sheep by name because he intimately knows them. Just as the Father knows Him and He knows the Father. He goes out before His sheep and is leading them in love, not fear. He saves His sheep and offers safety and security in green pasture. He gives the abundant life by laying down His life so that He might take it up again for His sheep. And He's graciously calling other sheep to this day. That is the good shepherd. That's not a thief or robber. So how do we respond? As we step back and we look, how how do we respond? And certainly, if you are here this morning and have have, have not come to the conclusion that Jesus has died for you, that He has been raised for you, that He has died for your sins, you can respond by believing. Eternal life can be yours by placing your faith in Him. Perhaps He's calling your name this morning. Will you respond? Do you hear it? Will you follow Him? There was a farmer who had his sheep stolen from him. And of course he contacts the authorities and the authorities come and they don't give him much hope. They say, unfortunately, there's a lot of farms around here that have had their sheep taken. I mean, in fact, they even said that more than likely your sheep are already at the slaughterhouse. But the farmer, not wanting to quite give up, knew that there was an auction coming up in a few days, a livestock auction. So he goes and right before the auction starts, he goes out into the middle of the arena and he begins to call his sheep by name. And wouldn't you know it, immediately those sheep began to come up to the, to the gate of that pen where they were being held in, they were being trapped in, they were harshly put in, ready to go to their shepherd. Is the good shepherd 
calling your name. The safe and secure life that you are so desperately wanting is a desire of your soul. And it can only be met by Jesus. If we're only thinking of the, of the financial security here in this life and just good relationships with one another, we're always going to be left deluded. We're always going to be left in despair. Our soul is longing for that treasure in heaven. It wants something more. And only Jesus can meet that. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters me by me, he will be saved. He will go in and find pasture. That, that's a hard saying. That, that's a very hard saying. Because Jesus, in effect, is saying, not that I, I'm just a door or I'm another possibility. He's saying, I am the door, the one and only door. And if you want to experience the salvation and abundant life, you enter through him. Only Jesus can give what your heart so desperately longs for. Only Jesus has the authority to give abundant life. Believe on him and you will be saved. And if you are here this morning and you have listened and heard the, the, the good shepherd calling your name and you've responded and you're, you're following him, may I encourage you to keep listening to his voice, to keep following day by day there there are many 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 false shepherds all around us there are many voices that are surrounding us every day seeking to get us off the path to trip us up and we have to be attuned to the voice of the good shepherd and so moment by moment maybe we should ask ourselves who who am i listening to right now who am I listening to? Am I listening to the good shepherd? Or have I tuned in to someone else? And just to be clear, I'm, I'm not talking about if you can lose your salvation or not. We are secure in the hand of the good shepherd that we'll see next week. But there are times in our lives where we're just tempted just to kind of stray off the path, aren't we? Or maybe just get lazy and just sit down. Let's keep listening. Let's keep following the good shepherd as he leads us day by day. Because only Jesus has the authority to give abundant life. Let's don't go to anybody else. Let's listen to him and follow him. The worship team can come, come up as we close in prayer. Jesus, I, I pray that we would continue to listen to your voice. We would follow you and you alone. Forgive us for the, all the many times that we just, we, we get sucked in. We get, we get sucked into the, to the traps of the enemy, to the deceptiveness of these thieves and robbers. Help us to listen to you. Give us that grace. Give us that strength. And now as we come, even at a moment, to, to remember your sacrifice of how you laid down your life and you took it up again. May we remember that that abundant life is ours 
in you and in you alone. Because of your death and resurrection. We celebrate that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.